Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, a very good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Drive with uh, Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Great to have you company on the program. Uh, coming up, uh, we're going to talk a bit of tennis because uh, there's a bit happening. Serena Williams has come out and confirmed that the US Open at Flushing Meadow, which gets underway at the end of this month, will be her swan song. It's almost a case of farewells left, right and centre. Certainly in AFL circles and even closer to home, David Mundy, of course, uh, farewelling uh, the home crowd this Saturday night for the Fremantle Dockers when they take on the West Coast Eagles in the Derby. Last Sunday afternoon, it was Josh Kennedy farewelling the fans of the West Coast Eagles. He's done and dusted. He's now in retirement, and we've also got Serena Williams regarded as one of the greats of all time when it comes to the sport of tennis, deciding that she is now going to retire at the age of 40. And in front of a home crowd in New York, she's going to say uh, goodbye, but she certainly won't match. Uh, and what she's been chasing for the last five years, maybe to catch and even overtake Australian Margaret Court in relation to Grand Slam singles titles, which sits at 24. We'll come back to that a bit later on. We'll also speak to Hamish Brayshaw. Now, I did breakfast with Scott Cummings this morning. Uh, it was Scotty and Goss with Peter Vlahos with Tim Gossage having a break. And we spoke to Hamish Brayshaw, came into the studio, actually. And if you didn't catch it, it just gave us a great insight, actually, to the WAFL and the WAFL Grand Final and some issues in the WAFL. So I thought it was worth a, a bit of a repeat on my drive program a bit later in the hour. If you missed it early this morning on the Scotty and Goss breakfast program. And as well as that, uh, as we do once a month, we'll speak to Peter Bocop. He's the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West. And you'll bring us up to date with all the happenings at all the stadiums that Venues West control uh, here in Perth, the likes of Optus Stadium, ROC Arena, Champion Lakes, the Perth Motorplex. There's plenty happening, and Peter will give us a snapshot when I speak to him uh, a bit later on in the hour. Just some footy news, and probably one of the, the biggest stories that's uh, just come out in recent times. Uh, Carlton has confirmed it will appeal the decision of the AFL Tribunal to uphold Patrick Cripps' two-match ban for rough conduct. The Blues last night fronted the tribunal in a bid to clear Cripps, who was handed that two-match ban for that incident involving Callum Archie that left the Lions player concussed during Sunday's game. But while the tribunal elected to uphold the match review officer's ban, the Blues confirmed tonight that they will take their case to the AFL Appeals Board with the case to be heard at 4 o'clock our time tomorrow. Four o'clock our time tomorrow. So when I go to wear at five o'clock, and of course, Kim Hagdorn comes in on a Thursday for footy team selections night, uh, we will bring you the news. And no doubt we'll have commentary on that as well. So that's the big footy story at this point in time. A bit of news coming out of the West Coast Eagles is that promising young pair in Connor West and Callum Jamieson have been ruled out for the remainder of the season, so they won't play in the final two games. So that's nine Eagles players now unavailable for the remaining two rounds. West has a wrist problem that was injured during the clash with Gold Coast in round 20. 
while Jameson, the developing ruckman, is really sore. So they've decided to park him for the remainder of the year. So they're added to the list that includes Dom Sheed, Jeremy McGovern, rookie Tom Joyce. They've all been ruled out. Drafty Campbell Chesser, forward Oscar Allen, midfielder Luke Edwards, and defender Tom Cole remain on the inactive list. Meanwhile, the West Coast the Eagles midfield star Elliot Yo is fighting to be fit for a last-ditch return to football in the final game down in Geelong, being round 23. So plenty of footy talk. And the other big story today, and again, it happened late this afternoon, and I heard Hayes mention it, but just repeating if you missed the news, that World Cup winning Australian cricket captain Meg Lanning has announced she is stepping away from the sport for an indefinite period, declaring she needs some time to focus on herself. Now, just days after leading her team to Commonwealth Games gold, Lanning opted to take a break for personal reasons with no fixed date for her return. In a statement, she said the following, after a busy couple of years, I've made the decision to take a step back to enable me to spend time focusing on myself. I'm grateful for the support of Cricket Australia and my teammates and ask that my privacy is respected during this time. Uh, Lanning, by the way, was due to play in the upcoming edition of The 100 in England and her immediate playing future now remains a little unclear. Let's hope everything's okay for Meg Lanning, one of our great sports people and has does wonders as the uh, captain of our women's cricket team. On a good note, I thought this was terrific. Uh, Lauren Jackson, who is 41 years of age, who played in the NBA with the Seattle, Seattle Storm for well over a decade, came out of retirement uh, this year and decided to play in the... NBL one, okay, with the Aubrey Wodonga Bandits. But she got a phone call this morning because we've got the uh, big basketball, women's basketball World Cup coming up. And she got a phone call from the Opals coach, Sandy Brabello, and this is how it went. She uh, actually, on Zoom, got Lauren Jackson to tell her the news. I'm making the... Um... You know, selections for the Opals now, and um, <laughs> congratulations, uh, Lauren Jackson, uh, going to another World Cup. So you should be um, incredibly proud, Lauren, and I am incredibly, incredibly proud because what you did to to achieve this is really, it really is amazing. It shows a lot about you as a person and a hard worker and your dedication and, um, you know, Hey, you put your mind to it and here it is. So, yeah, you've been selected to represent the Opals at the World Cup, Lauren Jackson. It's not your first one and uh, hopefully it'll be a great one. Wow. I can't, I don't know what to say. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, regardless of her achievements, of course, in the WNBA Hall of Fame, uh, she still got quite emotive when she was given the news regarding, of course, uh, being selected in the squad for the World Cup. So well done to Lauren Jackson. We're going to talk tennis and also later on, I've got a bit of news on Cam Smith. Will he sign with Live Golf? Uh, he has spoken after, of course, the uh, comments came from Cameron Percy yesterday on Melbourne Radio. This is what Percy said. I'll play way more golf next year, and sort of, and with even I know of even more guys that are leaving um, with a live. So, I, 
I think I'll be all right next year. Now, two of those wouldn't be Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, would they? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah, they're gone. So they're gone. And Cam Smith has heard that and he's given a reply. Later in the show, we'll tell you what that reply is. We'll take a break, come back with more in a moment. This is Drive with Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, where you get the right tool from the start. Of course, you can join us anytime on the Temper of Bedshed text line. They are, that is Bedshed, the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au, that text line 0487 736 736. Or you can give us a yell on the Scarborough Toyota open line, that number 131255, Ben Dalgleish and the team there at Scarborough Toyota. They buy all makes and models, and they service all makes and models as well. Eight past five, Serena Williams has said she is leaving professional tennis at the age of 40 after the final Grand Slam of the year, being the US Open in New York. We'll speak to our man from SEN, Brett Phillips, about that and about all of a sudden the resurgence of Nick Kyrgios, nine past five. Let's uh, move offshore to a certain degree because there's no question one of the big personalities and talented sports people in the last couple of decades has been American Serena Williams. Now, her crusade to win that elusive 24th major title and draw level with our West Australian Margaret Court has been, when you look at it, probably a five-year saga, and that looks almost certain to end fruitlessly now when she retires at this year's US Open that gets underway at the end of this month. Let's discuss tennis and where this leaves Serena in the scheme of things. Uh, Brett Phillips is, of course, our SEN tennis expert and the host of the First Serve. Uh, Brett, thanks for your time. Pleasure, Pete. Nice to chat. Yeah, likewise. I gather we saw this coming, but saying that, all of a sudden she's announced it and I was getting on the US Open website, it appears that fans are now gobbling up tickets to be there when Serena goes on court for the first time. Yeah, look, we knew it was uh, you know, going to be imminent. We didn't quite know. I mean, Serena's never been, as she even stated herself, Peter, she's never really been comfortable with the word retirement. I remember uh, many, many years ago, uh, when asked, I think, you know, about her career, she said, look, you know, something to the effect of uh, I'll just sort of, you know, I'll just drift off. It won't be um, a huge uh, fanfare when I retire. And look, she, uh, you know, she's been hanging on really the last uh, year or two. I mean, we have, we've hardly seen her on the tennis court, um, you know, watching her at Wimbledon, even watching her first round match, which I did yesterday in uh, Toronto at the uh, the WTA 1000. Um, you know, she is certainly not the player that she was, and you know, she's better turn 41 in September. And you know, the game has continued to shift uh, in this um, you know, last four to five years. I think you know, there's still the aura of Serena, but you know, physically now, uh, these uh, these players have taken their games to a, a new level, and uh, they're not maybe as intimidated. So she's become more susceptible and. I mean, you know, when is the perfect way to exit? Well, you know, she's on home soil in the US. I mean, she has been trying her and her husband to have a, a second child this year, which um, hasn't been successful. I think she was given the all clear by the doctors a week ago that that, you know, it's still a possibility and she doesn't want to be really doing that. Because uh, I think little Olympia, uh, the five-year-old, is uh, crying out for a baby sister or brother and she doesn't really want to be doing that while still trying to be a professional athlete at 40 years of age. So... 
Yeah, the curtain had to come down at uh, some point. Um, it is a shame in a way, but she's had ample chances, hasn't she? I mean, you know, their last slam, of course, at the Aussie Open 2017, and, you know, she's been in all those finals since where she just didn't play her best tennis on those respective days to either equal Margaret or, you know, we thought certainly it looked like a fait accompli she was going to go past and at least get to 25. But, you know, if you're looking at, I suppose, the Open era versus uh, the... Uh, uh, the amateur era, I mean, her record will stand up in the open era and, and may never be passed. Uh, so she's uh, yeah, going to have a few records that will uh, stand the test of time. Well, she was a bit salty when she did announce it in the statement. And let me just quote a, a line here. She says, there are people who say I'm not the GOAT or the greatest of all time because I didn't pass Margaret Court's record of 24 Grand Slam titles, which she achieved before the open era that began in 1968. So all of a sudden there will be the modern-day tennis player being Serena Williams and, of course, the one from a couple of generations back in Margaret Court. Mm. That conversation and that comparison will live on into tennis eternity, won't it? Yeah, it will. Look, I mean, the, the two eras are married up in a sense because when we look through the records of tennis uh, you know, in terms of who's won the most Grand Slam titles on the men's and women's side, you've got obviously a, a combination of players who played in uh, the amateur era and the open era. So, and that all gets uh, interwined. But you know, certainly since the game uh, went, you know, totally uh, professional, uh, late 60s into the early 70s, obviously Serena's uh, record absolutely um, you know stands up. So I think you know, once she retires and we reflect and and you sort of uh, do the comparison. Um, no doubt, you know, in the separation of the eras, she'll be regarded as the, you know, the finest player uh, that we've seen statistically. Um, but, you know, Margaret's record will stand in the history of tennis across, you know, its whole existence. And, and, and a very different era too. I mean, you know, that was the days when uh, they were playing doubles and mixed doubles, and obviously Margaret's won what over 60 uh, combined um, across all three forms. Whereas in this era, it's uh, extremely tough to be playing uh, all uh, all three of the majors, um, even two of them. I mean, Serena and Venus did play doubles there for quite some time. I think they've won, you know, 14 doubles titles together, but that gave ways. Obviously, they got older into their 30s. Um, but yeah, look, you know, there's always been this mystery around the Williams sisters. I can only suspect if Serena's going to retire that this might also uh, signal the end of the career of Venus. We haven't heard anything in that regard. I mean, she's 42 and, you know, really likes Serena, not playing a hell of a lot of tennis at the moment. So whether there's another layer there that they might go out together, which a lot of people have suspected for quite some time that they would bow out of the sport together. So we'll wait and see. Well, it's interesting. Uh, put Margaret Court aside. So we look at some of the great players on the women's side in recent times. And you look at Steffi Graf, who retired, I think, at the age of, of 30 and won 22 Grand Slam titles. Then you look at Martina Navratilova, who was just an outstanding player. And she retired, I think, basically before, in the late 30s, possibly around about 38. And she won 18 Grand Slam titles. Then you got Serena. Now, I don't reckon a lot separates Navratilova, yep. Graf, and Williams. Would you be? Would that mm. be a fair comment? No, that's a, it's a good a good comment. I probably should clarify what I was just saying before, Pete. I mean, it's, it's a bit like this constant discussion we have with the men because um, I have always stated every time I've been asked the question, who do you who you know who do you think is the greatest 
uh, male player that you've seen. And I I will always say Roger Federer. So I don't base it on just uh, stats. And even though Novak, um, in the long run, uh, may end up statistically the greatest of all time. So that's absolutely subjective. Uh, Yes, you know, her record stands... um, but, you know, many people could mount an argument that, you know, Steffi, what she did in her career was uh, phenomenal. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Navarette Lover and Ebert, you know, with, what, 18 and the rivalry they had through a, 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 a glorious era of women's tennis. So yeah, it's one of those things you could argue that the cows come home and, and everyone will come up with, um, you know, a different a different uh, reason as to why they think a player was the greatest they've seen, uh, whatever sport it is. So I, I, I'll say again, uh, I don't think I don't think it's just based on stats. Mm, interesting, interesting. Let's look at Nick Kyrgios. Uh, all of a sudden, he's found love. Uh, he seems very content with himself and his new partner, and he's found a new lease of life when it comes to tennis, and he's playing very well. Well, I've got to say, Pete, right now, and uh, touch wood, he he seems to be in a in a good place. Yeah, there's a, there's a shift. Uh, I'd love to know some of the conversations that have gone on um, with Nick and you know the people close to him now that he's broken through and made a Grand Slam final and you know the age that he's at and he talks about you know some of the demons that he had last year when he was in a, a really dark place and hardly played any tennis. Uh, so I mean, look. The, the thing we do know is that the tennis is just off the charts. He plays he plays top five tennis. I mean, Ivan Dodig, who we played on the first serve last night, the Croatian double mm. specialist, said when he and uh, Austin Krajicek went down to Jack Sock and uh, Nick Kyrgios in the doubles final in Washington on the weekend, he looked over at Nick and he said, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, man, but I'm throwing the challenge out to you that you could be number one in singles and doubles. And Nick you know, uh, gave him the little wave. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. And he's been saying what we've all been thinking for a long time. I just wonder if that'll sit in the back of Nick's mind. Okay. Um, this is this is now the time. This is now the time. I am. Uh, I do have a, a nice uh, relationship off court. It seems really stable. He's got a good little crew. It's not a big crew that travel with him, uh, even though I can't understand still, Pete, why he gives it to them so much. I can't get to the bottom of that. Uh, why he berates them uh, when the chips are down, but we'll see if that is a continuation. But now's the opportunity uh, to really maximise. And I think a little penny's dropped. Uh, I, once again, touch wood. I, I don't know whether it's sustainable and things could you know, possibly go off the rails. Who knows? But he plays Medvedev in the next round in uh, Montreal uh, coming up, uh, I think it'll be, what, in about 24, 48 hours. So mm. let, let's, take a look, let's take a look at that match. And, and this will give us a real idea of where Nick's at because he looks a little fatigued. He's played a bit of tennis in the last week, got through his first round match today. But if he could beat Medvedev and stay the distance with a guy who's unorthodox, relentless, really difficult to play, then we get a better feel for Nick Kyrgios. But, um, yeah, look, his tennis is so watchable. Uh, very <laughs> much so. so. You know, Andy Roddick's been full of praise, a former world number one. Mark Petchy, who's a retired t- uh, British tennis player, says that he reckons Nick Kyrgios has served his top five of all time. He, you know, he puts him alongside cool. Isner, Karlovic, yeah. Becker, Sampras, yep. and even, even Isovic. Uh, what are your thoughts on those comments, which are big comments to sort of put him in the all-time top five service? No doubt, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's one of the hardest serves to read. I mean, he can he can just go to that and step up to the line and bounce the ball a couple of times and send one past your ears 
at uh, you know 200 plus clicks. So uh, whether he's going T wide, you can't get a total uh, grasp on it just with his ball toss. Look, it's it's a huge weapon uh, that he knows he can go to to get himself out of strife. Uh, his ground strokes are incredible, and he's certainly coming forward a lot more. And he's an exquisite volleyer as well. He's got beautiful hands. So, I mean, he is he is a a phenomenal tennis player. If he can if he can keep it together above the shoulders and just keep working on that mental state to stay engaged and in the moment, then. Who's going to beat Nick Kyrgios? Not too many, I've got to mm. say, on the tour. Can I tell you, the two biggest draw cards at the US Open will be Serena Williams. And I've seen it firsthand when I was there about three years ago. Nick Kyrgios. Though he was packing the stadiums out then, and that was not so much Arthur Ashe, but certainly Louis Armstrong and those other courts. With what he's done in Washington and what he's done in Atlanta, don't you worry. Uh, the fan club will be out in force at Flushing Meadow in a couple of weeks' time. Here's a real draw card. Well, I think the Americans might love Nick Kyrgios more than we do. But then again, I mean, our, our tennis players spend more time abroad than they do at home. So they, they probably don't quite connect here with the Australian tennis fans just because of the nature of the tour and then the fact that the Aussies don't rarely come home when they're on the road. They've got to stay a lot longer than uh, you know, players from other countries. So he's sort of got this uh, base of fans around the world. But no, you're right. Uh, I'll never forget sitting out at a doubles match. He was playing with Matty Reid and on court four or five um, at the back there at Flushing Meadows. And it was 20 deep, Pete. It was ridiculous. I mean, the kids uh, were there wanting a piece. And uh, at the sit-downs, he would just turn around and he'd get a wristband out of his bag and just throw it to one of the kids. Here you go. And they thought it was, you know, like Christmas. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I mean, they, uh, they, they, there's a lot of intrigue. Um, and he, and he no, no doubt draws a crowd. But the good part right now, Right in the moment, his tennis is doing the talking. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, and on that note, thanks for joining us, Brett. Uh, always lovely to talk tennis with you. A bit happening in the sport as we lead up to the final Grand Slam of 2022, the US Open. Thanks for your time. We'll chat again soon. Indeed. Thanks, Pete. Okay, Brett Phillips there, uh, the SEN tennis expert and the host of the first serve. It's 26 past five. Uh, we'll look at the WAFL next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, right on 5.30. Uh, we'll get to the SMSs in just a moment on the text line. Uh, the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. Uh, a couple of texts regarding Willie Rioli, who, by the way, uh, travelled to Darwin because uh, Willie Rioli Sr. was laid to rest today. Uh, Willie will stay in Darwin and, of course, won't take part in the match here on Saturday night. But uh, there is also talk about Willie and where his future may be. Uh, I'll uh, let you know what I know uh, a bit later on. But first, uh, this morning on the Scotty and Goss Breakfast Program, I filled in for Tim Gossich, uh, who was away today. And one of our guests very early in the program was Hamish Brayshaw, who is currently playing for East Perth and is uh, one of the coaches at the Eagles AFLW side. But anyway, he gave us a great little snapshot on where the WAFL sits at the moment and where he thinks, where he thinks the WAFL grand final should be played. Here he is. He's uh, with yours truly, Peter Vlahos and Scott Cummings. And I asked him the question that East Perth probably need to win every game between now and the end of the season to have a sneaky chance of getting into the finals. 
Yep, that's the equation for us now. We win all four, and it's a, it's a chance. Peel and Swans are two above us, uh, and they've got a pretty tough run home yeah. and play each other in the last game. So it is a chance. What about Leadable Oval? Uh, have you been on it this week? No, we haven't. We've been now. Uh, we were at Mount Lawley on Monday. We're uh, going external again tonight. Not sure where, but uh, no, that's that's underwater at the moment. Very difficult to get a training. So do you think that. you'll play Subi there this weekend? Oh, I'd be very doubtful without um, without wanting to make a headline as we've done a few times this year. Yeah. <laughs> and got a few oh, right and wrong. range has been, <laughs> yeah, and, and the oval, get, oval gets punished, mm. doesn't it? Yep. Well, you've got Subi this week, so that's a win. Well, you yeah. yep, hope so. Goss isn't here to uh, to rub that one in. Well, yeah, yeah, we hope so. Somewhere right now, though, he's getting really angry. Yeah. <laughs> you just feel us <laughs> talking about him. But um, um, as you said, Swan Districts uh, have got a really tough Run home. Yep. Obviously, they've got the Eagles this week, but then Peel and West Perth, is it? Yeah, Peel, West Perth. They might even play South Freo as mm. well. So it's a uh, it's a tough run home for them. And Peel have got it oh, no Ishimano, easier. Ishimano. Yeah, Peel have got it no easier. Because oh, I think the uh, commission will make their announcement on the grand final venue, possibly as early as today, I've been told. So yeah. surely it won't be leadable. I heard that they were keen on leadable, but now with the state of affairs there, it has they'll to be played a, somewhere they'll else. They'll have a month. To get that right, oh, I don't think it'll get be right. What do you think, Hamish? Well, no, I don't think it will be. I think at the moment you can't even train on there, let alone schedule a grand final. Um, if East Perth and Subiaco were to both miss, potentially you've got a month of nothing before the grand final to get it right. But even then, oh, I think it probably should be out of June to love the way that place can. So, hold. if you had to, if you were making the decision based on what you've seen and where you've played, do you think Joondalup is probably the best fit? Yeah, oh, I think so. I remember um, a JLT game there at the Derby a couple of years ago where there was fifteen, twenty thousand. Fans just in a local football field, and that's probably got good the feel. Best. Yeah, that's got the best environment, I think, in terms of uh, atmosphere. Bloody garlic munchers are doing all right, aren't they? No, They're no. topping the Colts <laughs> yeah. reserves and league. What the hell's going Don't on? Don't you get me cancelled as well, but I can do that. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, they're yeah. playing good football. Gee, well, you've, you've said for a long time now that they're your. They're your yeah, they're, they're, the, they're my they're team. The best well, team that you've come across. They, yeah, they are. And I think the only exception is should Peel make it and Fremantle play well in the, mm. uh, the AFL, that. That bolsters their because, side. Yeah. And, uh, so the rules are, is it five games or six Six waffle games you have to play to, yep, to I believe so. and qualify for finals? Yep, and the majority but, of the guys playing waffle have done that. But if Frio <clears throat> go into the finals, then all of their players are eligible, yep. and uh, regardless of how many they've played. Yeah, and I don't think there's a cap on it if Frio are playing in the same week. I'm not sure how that yeah, works. Yeah, well, because they've got to be – yeah, I know. It's a, and that's the hard one with alignments, isn't it? Yeah. And they, you, those players deserve the right to push for selection yep. uh, in, the, in the AFL side, but it, Jesus, this is – Advantage for oh, yeah, um, it certainly makes the waffle tough like, coming up against a fully uh, full fully loaded peel. Well, you've you've basically I think got them one weekend when Freo had the buy, so they loaded yep. up and gave you a bit of a touch up, and yep. of course you played them recently, and again they were a bit too strong. But saying that, I reckon the waffle competition's been fairly even. Like you've been very good this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You've, pre- you've pressed South Fremantle, you've pressed uh, the likes of West Perth, even up at. Uh, Joondalup, because you lost Sebbett, of course, the week before up at Joondalup. Mm. East Perth had more 50 entries, but just couldn't score because yeah. they lost their key forward maybe a few was, days earlier. Maybe it was the way the midfielders were putting it into the And also, you don't, get, you don't give clubs <laughs> no, you don't give clubs 10-goal head starts and then lose by 10 points as they oh, did with yeah. East Romano early in the season. Yeah, there's a couple that we look back on and uh, and sort of scratch your head. But you're right, we've had we lost under two goals to sort of the top four teams at the moment. We ended up beating Claremont and yeah. it is, with the exception of a couple down the bottom that are sort of struggling to get things going, it's a, uh, it is a pretty tight comp. And you're up against, uh, as we said, you're up against Subi, but they'll be keen to um, to send 
Lachlan Delahunty out of the out of his last season of footy on high notes in the last few weeks. Five-time Premiership player. Sandov Miller's just a club great. Yep. Um, have you seen much of his career? Have yeah, I? I've, I've watched him pretty closely the last couple of years. He's always been um, a player to watch. Sandov Miller's when I sort of second year I got here, but... He's always really gone after us whenever we've played him. We've, he's always been an undersized ruck, but he's a fourth midfielder and he's able to get the football, uses it really well. Um, and the stuff that he's been able to do at that footy club for such a long period of time is uh, is a credit to him. And, a, uh, yeah, he's going to go out one of the greats for the last sort of decade and um, no, he'll certainly be missed around the footy club. we about bad time for our tips. And, and Pete. Oh, yeah, you're you, subbing in for yeah, Goss. You're free to tip again. Oh, we have you're, tips to You're subbing in for Goss. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'll, I'll call him out and you, you, you do the right yeah, thing by right Hammer thing. and I. Yep. We're a couple behind. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Torch. Here we go. Right, Good so. luck, Goss. At least someone knows how to tip Waffle. Here no, 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 no. I want you to do the, the opposite of what right. you think. All right. All right. All right. He didn't go about it his own way, Pete. <laughs> but, uh, feel free to <laughs> feel free bring Goss back to the pack. sabotage him. So Perth taking on Claremont at Mineral Resources Park. Oh, that's a tough one. I'll probably go Claremont, I think. I'll be all over Claremont. I think Claremont's best is pretty good. I feel sorry for Perth. They've only won two games this season. When I was growing up, Hamish, Perth were the club. Like East Perth and Perth in the late 60s, and I was only a little boy then, but in the 70s, up until 1977, Perth were just huge. Robbie Wiley days? Well, they had the players. Robbie Wiley, you know, Barry Cable played there. Bob yeah. Shields, the current president, was there. Mal Atwell, of course, in the early days was there. They were a red-hot club, and it's just really sad to see where they've gone. But, Did a but you're tipping them again this week, are you, Pete? Uh, I'll, go, <laughs> I'll go to the Demons <laughs> to win yes. their first game of the right. season. Yeah, brilliant. Well, <laughs> I did a function last night at the Eagles, and Rob Wiley was one of our uh, guest speakers. He's a good man. He's just well, he's a, a great player, isn't he? Eight best And never won a first. Sandover medal. Uh, Bizarre. Umpires. Radio, uh, <laughs> East Perth, your boys, uh, both your boys taking on Subiaco. Yeah, the mighty Royals. No, I'm going for the Royals. No, I'm all... Well, that's not helping us. No, I'm going for the Goss, Royals. I Goss cannot... would go for Subi. Oh, bugger Subi. I can't back, <laughs> I can't back against the Royals. There uh, you go. Uh, me neither, actually. I'm all over the Royals here. Uh, Peel taking on South Romanel at uh, Lane, Lane Group Stadium. That's tough. I, I'm going to... I'll back Peel in, I think. South Fremantle just starting to yeah, they're just starting to go a little bit. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I think Peel can get it done. I'll go for South. I'm going. Oh no, I think Peel. I'll go for South Fremantle. There you go. And opposite uh, to you, blokes. And the last one. I mean, you obviously, Pete, will go for West Coast. But how are you and I will go for the Black Ducks? We'll be all over the Black Ducks here. (laughs) Big game for the Black Ducks. You mentioned Robbie Wiley. Good luck, Robbie. I'm backing you to win your second game of the season. (laughs) I I tell you what. um, After listening to him, and I've known Robbie for a long, long time, and he's just—he's a fantastic human being. um, Just listening to him and how he's going about. You know, developing these guys and and giving them an opportunity, and but more off field as well, life and footy balance. Geez, they're in good hands. Yeah, and, and they've improved to a certain degree uh, from getting those hammerings early in the season. They've had a couple of slip ups on the yeah. way, but generally, I reckon since the halfway stage of the season, they've been far more competitive, haven't they, Hamish? Yeah, it's the same as this time last year. They started off. It's all dependent on AFL health. Um, yep. They got ravaged by COVID early and then injuries and injuries. And, well, they had and, players coming up that they hadn't even seen before or yeah. met before. And Yeah. We were, there, were, there were games this year where uh, the Waffle West Coast were playing sort of three or four listed AFL guys. And, and, and I've always sort of said 10's the, the mark of competitive. There you go. That just gives you a snapshot. Uh, our selections and also uh, Hamish giving us a bit of an insight 
into the WAFL. Good to catch up with him this morning on the Scotty and Goss Breakfast Show, and he comes in every week. Uh, just on the temper at Bedshed text line 0487 736 736, I mentioned that the father of the Eagles, uh, Willie Rioli, uh, has been remembered today as a man with a uh, great smile, humility, and a bit of stubbornness, uh, according uh, to his family. Hundreds of mourners were at the funeral in the Northern Territory today. Of course, Willie uh, Rioli Jr. was there, and uh, he won't return. He's going to mourn with his family. He won't be back uh, for the Derby on Saturday night. And Randall of Coburn uh, says, Pete, why am I hearing Willie Rioli is set to leave the Eagles and is about to sign with Richmond? Have you heard anything? Yeah, I've heard probably the same thing you've heard, Randall. There is speculation about that maybe Willie, and of course he's related to Dean Rioli, and he's got a couple other family members uh, in and around the Richmond Football Club. I've got a feeling he just wants a fresh start. Uh, There's a lot of uh, baggage with what's happened to him, particularly here in Western Australia and the West Coast Eagles. It's not a reflection of the West Coast Eagles as a football club, but I think at this point in time and losing his father, he wants to be a bit closer to family and he's got a bit of family at the Richmond Football Club and there's a growing sense that he may ask to be traded to Richmond come the end of the season, but we'll wait and see whether that transpires. But the word is getting fairly strong that Willie Rioli possibly may not be with the West Coast Eagles in 2023. Uh, if you've heard anything more, give us uh, a yell on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. It's coming up 19 to 6. We'll check in what's uh, happening and coming up at all the great venues around Perth next here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Yes, welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos on this uh, Wednesday. Uh, let's now, before you hear from Cameron Smith, uh, he was at a press conference today and he was asked the Australian golfer who won, of course, the Open Championship at St Andrews a couple of weeks ago, was asked whether he was going to join the Live Golf Tour. I'll play that audio for you before I go at the top of the hour today. But in the meantime, let's speak to the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West with his monthly update on what's happening at all the venues. Peter Bocop, thanks for your time. Good afternoon, Pete. How are you travelling, mate? I'm very well. Gee, I tell you what, uh, we've been sport with sport. Uh, What a great performance at the Commonwealth Games and our West Australians were right up there. And can you believe it? 19 gold, 15 silver and 9 bronze for West Australian athletes alone. I mean, I think the guys and the, and the girls are just so proud. So proud. Well, we won 67 gold in total. So you're saying, what, 19 of those gold from this side of the country? Yeah, I think we're punching well above our weight. Gee, we've done well. <laughs> we've done well. No, it was a, it was a great uh, performance by Australia at the Commonwealth Games. It really was. Yeah, a couple of standouts for us. Um, Venues West, we have ambassadors. We actually pick a few WA athletes to support every year, and um, we've had eight of them through the program. And a big shout-out to two of them, Nina Kennedy, gold in the oh, pole vault. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, unbelievable athlete. I still remember, actually, in the, the junior world record she set about six years ago at our own athletic stadium, and she was doing the, the double fist pumps all the way down <laughs> from when she went over the bar. Yes. And, and I've got to say, Courtney Bruce, um, she was another ambassador of Venues West. I don't think I've seen anyone tougher in a challenge 
than Courtney Bruce. She was unbelievable, never took a backward step. And to come home with a gold as a team, especially after losing to England last year and that rivalry against New Zealand and then beating Jamaica in the final, um, that lady shows leadership like we haven't seen. Yeah, no, and that's why she's the captain of the West Coast Fever as well. Outstanding. Uh, Well done, uh, Pete, and well said. Well, a big match here on Saturday night. It's the Derby, Derby number 55, and it's the Dockers at home against the West Coast Eagles. It's a chance for the Dockers supporters to say farewell to David Mundy because it's their final home game before the finals. And, of course, last week we had 50,000 come along to say goodbye to Josh Kennedy. Are we looking at a similar crowd, do you think? Uh, look, you know what? This, this year, Fremantle crowds have beaten all expectations. And Monday now it's 372 games, can you believe it? Yeah. So I, I think we're going to crack the 50, Pete. And Freo with everything to play for, what they're, they're two points out of the top four and, and only a game and a bit behind the top two. So who knows? Wouldn't you love to see a, a prelim and a grand Oh, I won't get another grand final, but a couple <laughs> of prelims in Perth. That would be wonderful. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, so it should be a big crowd. You're predicting over 50,000 possibly on Saturday night. I think so. I think we'll get over 50. Okay. Uh, There's an AFLW game. In fact, on breakfast this morning, we had Eliza Riley, who said that, uh, of course, the Eagles take on the Dockers in a bit of a a pre-season match uh, uh, this weekend. But, of course, when the season gets underway, they'll be here at Optus Stadium on the 22nd of September, which should be a a big one too. Yeah, well, I think we still actually hold the record for the highest attendance at an AFLW match when um, I think we had the one just after Optus opened. Uh, so, look, it'll be great to, to get there again. But, look, two two really good teams in Frio. I mean, they're smashing it in the gents. And you never know, I think this year they might even do the same with the ladies. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and they're improving the Eagles. They had a very good uh, pre-season win last week. And Fremantle, as we know, have been very good in recent years. Now, we know that there is no waffle grand final being played here at Optus Stadium because things are getting in readiness for the Men's T20 World Cup. What's the latest on that, Pete? Well, look, there's 16, 16 teams from around the world playing 45 matches, and Perth has got a tremendous share between the 9th and the 30th of October. Um, and, and the one I'm looking forward to the most, 9th October, Australia versus England. Never a dull moment in that. And um, the second one I'd say would have to be uh, the doubleheader on the 30th of October. Uh, again, a cricket, a cricket fan's absolute dream. So have a look at now. I think the tickets are already on sale between the 9th and 30th of October. So they are on sale, so people can snap them up now. Yeah, just come into our website and to Venues West, and then you can get the links to the varying ticket uh, companies that sell the tickets. Good stuff. And, of course, the Perth Wildcats season is quickly coming around on the 2nd of October. That gets underway at RAC Arena. It's a new-look Wildcats uh, lineup, and they'll be looking for redemption after missing out on the playoffs last year. Yeah, I think if there's ever motivation to do really well, this is the year for the Wildcats. I mean, historically, one of the, the best teams on the planet with their record of making the finals, and last year, missing out is really going to hurt. So I think we're going to see a very, very determined Wildcats team kicking off on the 2nd of October. So not too far away, Pete. No, not too far away at all. Tell us what's happening at Champions Lakes at the Regatta Centre. There's a bit of activity happening there uh, next month. Yeah, the, on the 10th and the 11th of September, we've got the state championships. Single skulls, double skulls, cox eights, cox fours. And what I like about this is, so many of these people have actually gone on to represent Australia in the international events and bring home medals. So um, I think if you get down there and have a look at what's going on, you might see some of the world champions of tomorrow, mate. 
Fantastic. Uh, and there's also some dragon boat uh, racing as well. Yeah, this is one of the most fun events I think you can get involved with. And I think they're always looking for people. So um, if you feel strong and you want to support the team and jump in the dragon boat, get down there and check it out. But 17th of September, 8th of October and the 22nd of October are the days for those events. Fantastic. Uh, and finally, Pete, uh, let's go to the motorplex down there at Quinana Beach. Uh, it's uh, plenty of activity happening on the 21st of August. Tell us more about it. Yeah, it's the winter heat. It's a car show, drag racing and burnout. So gearing up for a really a really big season of the motorsports and this is going to be one of the events that kick everything off, mate. Okay, so if people want more information on these events that you've just uh, delivered here on My Drive program, how can they find out more about it? Just type in Venues West to Google. It'll take you to any one of our 13 facilities that you so choose. Good on you, Pete. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to uh, keeping in contact with you and you as the Chief Operating Officer at Venues West, keeping us up to date with all the latest news. We appreciate it. Okay, thanks so much, Pete. Good on you. Peter Bocop joining us here on Drive with Peter Vlahos. Just before I go, just repeating that Open champion, Aussie Cameron Smith, has issued a defiant statement, actually, after reportedly signing with the controversial Saudi-backed Live Golf Series. Now, he's preparing to uh, play in the FedEx uh, Cup playoffs, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, um, you know, my goal here is to to win the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's all I'm here for. Um, If there's something I need to say regarding the PGA Tour or Live, it will come from Cameron Smith, not Cameron Percy. Um, I'm a man of my word, and um, whenever you guys need to know anything, um, it'll be said by me. And just following up on that, you being a man of your word, you know, the Telegraph is reporting that you've signed and are going. Would you like to say yes or no to that? I have no comment to that. I, uh, like I said, I'm here to play the FedEx Cup playoffs. Um, that's been my focus the last week and a half. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to win the FedEx Cup playoffs. And uh, like I said... It will come from me. It won't come from Cameron Percy. Do you intend to play the President's Cup? Absolutely, yeah. That's, uh, that's something that we've been looking forward to uh, for the last three years. We, had a, we missed a year because of, because of COVID, and um, that's something that I look forward to being a part of. So there you go. There's Cameron Smith playing the straight bat at the moment. Uh, again, no comment, and he doesn't want to get embroiled in the conversation about him reportedly signing for the Live Golf uh, Tour. And uh, there's been reports that he's been offered around $140 million Australian to play at the upcoming event, the Live event in Boston in the United States of America. Just if you haven't heard the news uh, that Patrick uh, Cripps, uh, they are appealing Carlton. Uh, They'll appeal the decision of the AFL Tribunal to uphold Patrick Cripps' two-match ban for rough conduct that was conducted last night. So now it goes to tomorrow night. The hearing at the AFL Appeals Board will be heard at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon our time and will fall in probably right in the drive program. Kim Hagdon will be here, so we'll discuss it and we'll bring you the news tomorrow on Patrick Cripps to see whether his home and away season is done or dusted or whether the appeals board overturns that decision handed down by the match review officer and, of course, the AFL tribunal. Ben McAvoy, by the way, the Hawthorne Ruckman, former St Kilda player, has announced his retirement. He'll be retiring at the end of the season. And North Melbourne star Ben Cunnington will make his fairy tale AFL return this weekend 
after twice overcoming testicular cancer. We wish him the best. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. I'll be back with Haggis tomorrow from 5 here on SENWA for Drive with Peter Vlahos. Thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre.